You've probably heard it all before, but this time, let Dr. Lanker connect the dots in a way that makes the Christian faith come alive. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Lanker, and I'm here to help you connect the dots. As a pastor and professor for the last 30 years, I want to help you not only understand the Christian faith, but to make it a transformative part of your everyday experience. Join me as we connect the dots. Now that we've walked through Genesis 1 through 11, really looking at who God is and his character through that, I I just think that there's an incredible wealth of information that I want to remind us of before we move forward. One of the first things we see about God in in chapter 1 is that he is the one who establishes and maintains order. His is the power and the purposes that direct all of his creation. Not only is he in power, he shares his power and his purposes with his creation, which you might not expect from a God that that is that powerful and that awesome as he's described in Genesis 1 by just speaking and setting all things in their place. Next, and we see this right at the beginning of the story, he enters into our sin to bring redemption. That is very foreign to a lot of people who've grown up in the church, is that we hear about God's holiness, that he can never be around evil. And yet the first image of who God is, is that when sin enters in the world, there he is. That's the first time he comes walking into the garden. And to have a kind of God like that really messes with our expectations about who he is and how he interacts with our brokenness. And to add to that, even when he shows up with Cain, who's now murdered his brother, he doesn't just condemn him rightfully for this horrible sin that he's done. He actually protects him in his rebellion, and he does the same for all of his creation. He sustains us. He gives us kind of the space to be able to learn from our choices, hopefully, and to grow in this process. But he knows that he also has to set boundaries. He says they're only going to live for 120 years. There is going to be a limit to how far they can go in this process of running away from me and doing whatever they want. What's interesting about that, though, is that God doesn't look at us from a distance in just this first foundational literature of Genesis and, and the story of Scripture and the story of God. It says he is emotionally moved by how hard it is for us to learn from our mistakes. But he can't step in and do it for us. Otherwise, we never learn. And he has to see us continue to make the same boneheaded choices over and over and over again. And it literally breaks his heart to see us in this process and to walk through all that pain and suffering that we cause for ourselves and we cause for the people and the world around us. Fortunately, God isn't just emotionally moved but he provides second chances. He pushes the restart button and he lets us have do-overs. And not only just do-over, but you've lost all your purposes and be lucky that you're alive. He gives them back everything that they started. And so he puts into their hands the same responsibility and Noah and his children walk out and immediately they do wrong stuff. God knows that that's going to happen, but he has to train us to be kings and queens serving as priests within his eternal kingdom. And it's a process of education. 
And unfortunately, we really do make it a school of hard knocks. But God is going to walk through this process with us because it shows in this especially through the flood narrative, he is a God of covenant, and this is going to be built throughout the rest of the story of scripture. He is a God who doesn't make arrangements with people. You keep your end of the bargain, I'll keep mine. But he is a God who says, no matter how you respond, no matter what you do, I will be faithful to my promises. And that is not only a blessing to us, But it's a great example to us of the type of creation he's trying to get us to be. We are not people who just perform when somebody else does what we want them to do. But we become like him in the process. Remember, we're image bearers. We're supposed to display him in our everyday lives. And one of the most basic elements that's supposed to characterize us as humanity is that we are covenant makers and covenant keepers that we commit ourselves to benefit and love of others. And in doing so, we continue to be faithful even when the other party is not. As God does this, he knows that things are not going to be easy. And the immediate reaction by his creation is that they're going to create a system whereby they can manipulate God. They can care for his needs. And by caring for those, they'll bring him down to their level. And now that they've scratched his back, he's got to scratch theirs. And God, through the Tower of Babel story, shows he will not be manipulated. He is God. We are man. He is in control. We are not. And he is going to walk us through this process. We are nothing close to him. He is not in need of what we have to offer. And this makes what I think is the most important point of Genesis 1 through 11. I think it all comes to this. God is most concerned with making his name great. Another way of saying that is to say he's making himself known. He's expanding how big his name is. And I just want to take a little bit of time to unpack that. If God wants to make himself known, then he needs to make himself known. Known. Now that may seem like just saying the same thing twice, but hopefully I'll be able to explain this. If God just establishes order and shares his power and purposes with us, we would understand, we would know God as a God of order, we would know God as a God of power, we would know a God of purpose, we would know a God of beneficence, a God who's beneficial to his people and shares with them what they're not deserving of, a God of humility, there would be lots of aspects of God's character we would be able to get out of just those two things if humanity had never fallen. But just in this little bit of time that I've been talking about God's character, eight out of the ten of these are related directly to mankind's fall. Without the fall, there is no way to ultimately know God. This is a really, really important point. If we never rebel against him, we do not know. We could have the information, but we would never have the experience that God is a God who enters into sin to bring redemption, not just condemnation. We would never know and experience that he protects us, even in our rebellion, even when we don't acknowledge it, he still watching out for us. We would never know that he sets boundaries and says, this is as far as you're going to go. You will not bring your hurtful sin 
beyond this point. We would never know how much it literally breaks his heart to see us in this process of sin. We would never know that he provides second chances and lets us literally start over again with all the responsibility that we should have lost at that point. We would never know that he is a God that makes covenants that he holds himself to even when we don't keep our end of the bargain. We would never know that he will not be manipulated. We would never know the God who pours out goodness and love when we do not deserve it. And so as we move on in this study of who God is and how he reveals himself from scripture, I really want to take the time and just expound on this. God wants to be known. He wants to expand his name. He doesn't just want to be Jesus or the Father, or whatever fill-in-the-blank name for who God is. He wants us to know the fullness of his being. And in order to get us there, he had to allow us to see both sides of the fence. That is the kind of God who wants to be known. The kind of God who wants a relationship with his creation. So they would know the fullness of his being and be able to live in fullness of relationship. I pray that as we've walked through these past couple episodes, that it just hasn't provided insightful information, but it really has opened up your eyes to this great God of goodness and that his name has become more great to you over this time. I pray that you not only know his name to be great, but that you pick up your original purpose, which is to be made in his image and to show his likeness in the world in which you live. I pray that your children, I pray that your families, I pray that your classmates, I I pray that your colleagues would see God in you because they would see someone who demonstrates his character in profound yet simple ways on a daily basis. May God's name be praised. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you'd like more information, please visit us at drjasonlanker.com. That's D-R-Jason-L-A-N-K-E-R. May you go in the grace of God, and may you not just understand the Christian faith, but live it more fully this week.